Coaching Inside the Box. A youth soccer coaching podcast. A Brit, a Brazilian, and an American discuss culture and environment and the impact it has on youth development. Can you coach inside the box? Yes, we're going there. Welcome back to Coaching Inside the Box, World Cup Edition, episode 31. We are so excited to be talking together about this World Cup. We have had so much fun watching the games, watching the highlights, watching the action. The text, uh, Our text group has been fire. Um, the enthusiasm for Richarlson continues to grow in Philippe's camp. Andy continues to look for excuses as to why Richarlson is no good. And his initial take that one of our uh, loyal listeners pointed it out became freezing cold really quick. Um, Andy thinks still is the right take. Um, with that said, welcome to a great episode where we're going to talk about United States path, almost guaranteed to at least the semifinals. Andy Barney, Felipe Abreu, welcome back to Coaching Inside the Box. How are you? I love your optimism. I love it. Thanks. I think it's great. And yep. I actually, and then I actually think it's possible. I do too. I, we've got uh, the United States. They've 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 qualified for the round of sixteen. Are they as good as the Netherlands? No. Could they outplay them and beat them? Yes. I'd rather have the Netherlands than a bunch of other options in terms of winners of their group. Um, and then from there, it's what Argentina is the best option that we've got. Argentina's really look rem- remarkably beatable, with the exception of Messi in that uh, moment of brilliance against uh, Mexico. And then after that, who knows? But that's the semifinals at that I'm point. I'm a little in- upset about your introduction. You know, and you, know, you complain about, about my introduction every week about about Richarlison. I mean, you know, I've got nothing against Richarlison. I, I, he's I, okay in his place. <laughs> they just haven't dug it yet. You know, it's it's, it's a grave. You know. I'm Oh, that goal he scored against Serbia, absolute uh, magisterial. Yeah, yeah, but it was the yin and yang. He didn't mean the first touch. His first touch was absolutely terrible. It was the touch. You know, I was just reading yesterday about this. this I beg to differ. So, that first oh, well, touch put him in an opportunity Andrew, to Andrew, have hold the on, best goal. Hold on a second. I, I was reading yesterday about this dinosaur, this new one, this massive dinosaur that was like 250 feet long. You know, and and that was Richarlison with that first touch. He had in a touch of like this massive Brontosaurus, Stegosaurus. You know, and the thing popped up in the air. He meant to bring it down, and it popped up at head height. You know, and and then I, I guaranteed the next thing was brilliant. All right, but it was a total fluke. It was total luck. There was no planning, no skill. It was just you know literally diving boots time with his first touch. So Andrew. <laughs> the difference between Brazilian and English, Brazilian like to see beauty in life. English likes to focus on the negative. So after seeing that go from <laughs> I can't even pay attention to his touch. I just look at what he did afterwards. His know? ability, I mean, it looked like he looked straight out of like a martial arts 1980s Jackie Chan movie. And like the ball came and, like the, ball, and the ball came hard behind him in the air. You know, he was turning, you know, received it. The ball popped up a little bit and then he flicked it. Uh, it but, was but it's beautiful. Luck. It's, it's, improvis- it's not luck. Improvis- it's not luck. It's it was not just luck. how the ball popped up. <laughs> it was you luck. Andy, you're the luckiest you man I've ever met and there is zero chance that your luck would have come anywhere near putting the ball in the Did back of the net Did you see the video of him doing it in training that I sent you a week mm. before that? So I look at my man training and you're like, this is luck. And then he does it exactly <laughs> in the first game. On the biggest stage. Exactly. <laughs> But, 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 you know, what about the second game? Non-existent. Richarlison literally, you know, didn't even enter the field. He, well, was, he was just... He was a, it's difficult he a waste of t- time. It's difficult for anybody to, uh, to compete against the Swiss at that level. They are just a, a, an exemplary uh, uh, um, example, that's redundant, isn't it, of fantastic... Uh, discipline and and strength and organized uh defense that i mean it have been tough for charleston yeah right? but they're crap sorry get, I, get out swiss switzerland's my second team i am i am I swiss i know that just reinforces that they're crap so you're swiss you know you're oh, somebody yeah. that you know you didn't take a side in the second world war you're neutral you know, you're one of these people that sits on the fence, lets everybody else do their fighting for you. You know, you don't follow a cause. Un- unlike you, know, you, I was not alive during the Second World War, so I was <laughs> unable to take a side during the Second World War. But that yes, was, my my was, my was uh, my ancestry certainly 
did not take a side during the World War because they are Swiss. <laughs> okay, goal of the tournament so far. Andy, what's your goal of the tournament? What's your what's your moment that just had you standing up? A Abubakar. Abubakar. Yeah, you know, it's I my dad served in the Second World War in Ghana. You know, and uh he he uh he, he waxed lyrical about what the Ghanaian kids could do with the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, even back there in the 1940s. You know, and uh, Abubakar just demonstrated and uh, the jury is still out here. If you watch that clip of that goal, I've got to believe he thought he was offside because there was no intensity about the way he flicked it over the goalie's head. You know, I think he just thought I was yards offside, you know, and then in the review, it turned out he was onside and, and the goal was just a piece of genius that the goalie couldn't get near. Yeah, uh, quick correction, he's not Ghanaian, he's Cameroonian. Uh, but Oh, sorry. But, but <laughs> Andy, you were right. That goal was, well, I mean, made your hand, hair stand on end. Yeah. And and there is zero chance he thought he was on, offside, onside. And I actually think had he thought he was onside, he wouldn't have had the guts to try that in that moment. And Did you see that the, they, they were actually focused on his face when they were making the decision about whether it was you know, onside or offside? You know, and when they gave the goal, it was a total look of surprise <laughs> that, that overtook his face. Yeah, yeah, the camera yeah. was right on his face. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it was it was like somebody had given him you know a complete surprise present. You know, you know, it, not on his birthday. No, you know, nothing connected to it. Just out of the blue, where, something where wonderful. Where did this come from? Yeah, something yeah, yeah. wonderful happened to him. Yeah, you know, and he went from you know just deadpan, you know, to absolute delight mm-hmm. you know within a split second it was just funny actually but and he didn't even and i feel actually we're robbed that goal being the goal of the tournament from my perspective in terms of just fantastic creativity and skill on a level that nobody else in that tournament or almost nobody else in that tournament could have produced um, but we didn't even get to see him celebrate it right because he didn't think it was a goal or he, he thought he assumed he was offside the moment though as the ball comes across his his presence of mind to wind up for a shot and hold it, hold the shot to let the defender go flying by, and then with literally no space at all to be able to scoop it over the keeper and still come back down under the crossbar was just magnificent. Yeah, and that, that piece you know, right before he did flick it over the goalie's head where he held it was classic street soccer. You know, where you look as though you're going to play it, you know, and then you do the least expected option, you know, that forced the defender to go flying by, you know, and gave him a complete one-on-one isolated against the goalkeeper. You know, once again, a little piece of genius, mm-hmm. you know, and followed by an absolutely exceptional piece of out-of-the-box genius. And you mentioned street soccer specifically. If you don't play in tight spaces in a way where almost beating the player is more important than putting the ball in the back of the net, you never develop the ability or the presence of mind to be able to create that moment in, in that moment. Um, yeah, for- yeah, the, this, this is a good one because Croatia's uh, Kramaric, uh, he, he has been a difference maker. He scored two goals against Canada and, you know, he had a fantastic nutmeg pass in Croatia's game against Morocco, you know. And, you know, when – and I wasn't that familiar with him before this World Cup. Heard the name, but, you know, I hadn't really studied him. So I went and looked him up. And before I looked him up, I said, I bet he's from Zagreb. Because, you know, I'm, I'm one of these junkies that wants to know why it is that Croatia – you know, and they're from, you know, what was previously Yugoslavia, which was known in the soccer world as the Brazil of the Balkans, you know, which is a, a nod of the head to, you know, how fantastic Brazil's been over the years, you know. And uh, but Zagreb is kind of like the center of this Brazil of the Balkans phenomenon that's now broken up over three or four countries, you know. And, you know, I said to myself, I bet he's from Zagreb because I had gone after the last World Cup and Croatia's incredible performance, you know, coming out of nowhere and, and finishing so highly. You know, I'd gone to the Internet to Google Maps, you know, and I'd literally toured Croatia at the street view, uh, Zagreb at the street view level and looked at it from above. And there's little fields all over Zagreb. You know, and without knowing it, you know, I saw that nutmeg pass and I said, I've got to research this guy because I bet he's from Zagreb. And you know where he's from? Uh, London, England. 
<laughs> no, no, he's from Zagreb, you know, and, and uh, you know, it just had to be because he's so comfortable, you know, in crowded circumstances and was able to thread the needle through the defender's legs as an assist in that game, you know, and, and so he's not just a goal scorer, he's absolutely fantastic at providing for his teammates around him because of that, you know, that, that street soccer environment that makes you just autonomically without thinking a genius you know, in tight spaces in front of goal. Yeah. You know, just incredible. Philippe, what was your uh, uh, stand-up, wow, what a moment, what a goal so far of this World Cup? Uh, obviously, for me, it was Richardson's second goal. Um, I mean, just was beautiful, and, you know, I like him. I root for the guy, and obviously, I root for Brazil. And, you know, I think that performance from Brazil was amazing in that first game. And, you know, finishing with a goal like that just made it more beautiful and more enjoyable. Didn't like our lineup on on the second game, but... Like his Neymar was out? Yeah, but I think... They're he, in trouble. He, 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 if he doesn't he, make it back. He, would, he didn't... The first first game, he went with a very offensive formation with Paqueta playing the eight. And he, he was put, nervous about the Swiss. That's what he, it was. he put Fred in. But I think he for Brazil is so dominant in this World Cup that he's treating like a club team. Oh, I'm gonna rotate positions, I'm gonna give these guys more playing time here and there. So he has already planned that Fred was gonna play more minutes in the second game, regardless. He knew we were gonna win anyway, so I think it was more of a strategic to train use the game for a training purpose, I guess. And I, I think you're in trouble. If Neymar doesn't make it back... He will. He'll you, be fine. You, you don't have the quality, you know, the, you know for example, CR7 makes Portugal, you know, and, and you know, I, I can't like the guy, but Did you I see love that to watch him. he scored with his piece of hair? It, you know, he's got amazing touch. I mean, that piece of hair... <laughs> How arrogant is the guy that he's prepared to take the goal off of his teammate, you know, who deserved it? But it, for know. me, it's his goal. If he doesn't make that movement and doesn't get there, it's not a goal. Yeah, but like, but like, but like, I agree with Philippe. I do too. But I, I mean, there's so many times where he does score that if so and so hadn't played it's him at the ball, least an that's, that's part of the game. And and his perspective, you you could see it in his celebration multiple times teammates were asking him a question and he kept saying, I don't know, I don't know. And I think they were asking, did you touch it? And he knew full well he didn't touch it because he would have felt it, had he. But he wasn't even prepared in that moment to give up the opportunity for to claim that it was my goal. And when Bruno Fernandes scored that PK, I immediately was eager to see what Ronaldo's perspective was because presumably he'd have been pissed he wasn't on the field so he didn't get the PK because homeboy doesn't care about anything as much as being the golden boot winner, which he's not going to get because it's going to be Mbappe. But but in in no, CR Mbappe no. Well, it's not going to be Neymar. Homeboy's not going to be playing. He's going to Neymar is going to be back in the round of sixteen and we'll be fine. It's all good. <laughs> Brazil doesn't Mbappe. even Brazil doesn't even get threatened. Like nobody has created a, a real chance yet. Like we're just so solid defensively. We're just so so CR seven. You know, it, if you delve into his background and his past, his dad was a deadbeat. He was a drunk, and you know. And and he had a terrible upbringing in terms of, you know, his father and the father not being involved. You know, he was a street urchin, urchin didn't go to school, you know, a lot of days. And so he had this, uh, you know, he was on his own a lot of the time. And so he, he had to develop this, uh, you know, this Teflon type attitude towards the world, you know, and, you know, be his own man. Um, and so what's happened is, is he's lost any sense of humility. You know, and and in in some ways, and he catches himself coming and going because I, I follow him quite closely, and he does a lot of nice things, charitable things with his money, you know. And but you you can't help but wonder if he's he's doing that for the press sure. coverage sure. because of the way he is, yeah. you know. And uh, you know, he's he's a whole different beast, for example, compared to like Sadio Mane. You know, who supports, you know, his whole town where he comes from and, and builds schools and things of this nature, you know, where, you know, you just know the guy's a genuinely nice guy, you know, and CR7 doesn't come across 
as caring about other people in the way that a Leo Messi does or a Saudi Omani does. You know, it, it comes across as he's maybe doing it for the recognition. Everything he does seems to be for the recognition, you know, and anything that can increase his brand and make him look better than he is, you know, and he doesn't need to do this because he's already brilliant. He'd be better served with some genuine humility, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it totally makes sense. But I think that plays out in why he is what he is because he's so, like, egotistic and he cares so much about himself and he wants to be the best. He wants to be the center of attention that that motivates him to... You know, try to be the best. Oh, you can't separate. Yeah, you can't separate it's, it. That's part why of why he's. That's part of why he's the best. The best. In history. Yeah, yeah. Like he, and that's what it. He's more because of that. He's way more driven than other people. So. And 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 watching him um, is still something that I always look forward to do to doing because a a fantastic moment feels like it's always just about to happen. Yeah, when the he's ball hits just his foot. so he's just so intuitive and so smart in his movement. For example, he. If you give him one inch of space and the guy plays the perfect ball, he will make the run, he will lose the defender, and he will be there. Like, yeah. it's no question. No question. But let's get back to Brazil, Philippe. Without Neymar, I don't think they're going to win the World Cup. I don't think they can without Neymar. I think Everybody should be praying in Brazil that Neymar gets fit because, you know, the opposition has to put their best defender on Neymar. And maybe has to double team him I because think, he's so talented. I think if Neymar plays, we will win. Like no questions asked. I think if he doesn't play, it will be hard, but it will be more of a nineteen ninety four style. Like more solid defensively, okay, and then we do have the creativity, the pace up top on the wings, especially to take people on you know, and get something happening, and then we would be able to play a more organized, more team-driven, and then on the wings, take people on and create some stuff, and we would be still be able to compete. I don't th- see Brazil playing any team that would score two, three goals in, on us easily. And I think, you know, teams that try to attack us, because that's the thing, so far we only play teams that just sat back. Teams that try to attack us, we will have the speed in our front three, regardless, that we can exploit and we can score. So let's let's pull this apart. If Neymar plays, we will win, no questions asked. Oh, that's that, for sure. That that and it's not. It is. You know, look at look at Brazil. It doesn't have the quality. Vinny Junior isn't there yet. I've not seen him use a move yet. He's not played like a Brazilian for the national team. Hold on. I've seen he's him use it in club people, soccer. He's taking people on even more than he should sometimes. So that's But he's not doing sure. it with deception. So he's not successful because he's not getting them off balance before he explodes. He, and the he, point, the point I'm making assi- is... He had three, three assists so far in all three goals he was involved. Y- you've, got, you've got, you know, the, the starting lineup has been Vinny Jr., uh, Neymar and um, Rafinha. R- no, Richarlison. And, and, and Rafinha, and Rafinha on the right side. Yeah, on the outside. So those four have been the starting lineup. So you take Neymar out of that mix, and Rafinha, you know, I love Leeds United. He played for Leeds United. He, he didn't do the job I felt for Leeds United. He struggled, you know, but, but you know, he, he's Brazilian, so he got bought on to a better club. And, and so. Um, you know, and switch countries, you know, and, and, you know, he's done okay, but he's never set the world on fire. He's not particularly skillful in the Brazilian sense. And then you've got Vinny Jr. is not particularly skillful in the Brazilian sense. And then you've got this big donkey cone, Richarlison, you know, who's just not skillful at all in the Brazilian sense, but can, of course, once in a very blue moon, like any other striker, pull out an incredible goal like he did in the first game this World Cup. You don't have a Brazilian forward line. This is not Jarzinho. This is not Pelé. This is not, you know, Tostao. You don't have a Brazilian forward line. I'm sorry. But uh, you, you're thinking next level of skill. But if you look at them, and you know, and then you look at the bench, and we got Anthony coming off the bench, Rodrigo, Martinelli, and so on, 
Gabriel Jesus. But they're, they're you not look, Brazilian. You look, you look at everybody. Hold on. It's a very vertical and aggressive. Not and Brazilian. Let's go for it. <laughs> Uh, forward line more than everybody. Just look at the first game. We subbed in five guys and the team got better. You just you just talked about the Brazilian forward line and said vertical. I mean that's just the opposite of well, what Brazilian forward lines have been in the no, great teams. Vertical in a sense that they take people on. I guarantee if we look at the not stats, Greg Berhalter's verticality that he's talking about. It's a different <laughs> Tell me one team that has not a taking, forward line so that is more skillful than Brazil. So look at look at you know the two thousand and two forward line you know and you've got the original Ronaldo you've got Ronaldinho and you've got Rivaldo you know and you none compare, of the current but forward you, but line. But it's not fair to compare. Well, but that's that. what we think of when we think of with Brazil. If you go to nineteen eighty two, the same way you know three or four players that were absolute geniuses. You know, and, and so and you know, Brazil doesn't have anybody, if Neymar's not on the field, that is an absolute genius. And they're immensely beatable against the big dogs that used to handle in, you know, that type of player that's not an absolute genius week in and week out. But how, how many geniuses does a World Cup winning team usually have? Look, even One. PSG. One. Even PSG can't win the Champions League with three geniuses. Yeah, the it's club different. game different than the than the. It's national. different. Yeah. yeah, it should be easier. Yeah, yeah. it nah, should be. I mean, no, because it, because the other teams also the other have, teams are so organized that and they also have it's more two, three. difficult to break down. I think. But Brazil is fairly ordinary without Neymar on the field. So, Look at the last game. You know, I'm sorry, but you you've got rose colored glasses on. No, but you know? I, I, what did I start saying that I didn't like the formation the last game? We started with Fred. We we shouldn't start with Fred. When we started with Fred and only all we had to create was Paqueta and the wingers, it was very easy for the the Swiss defense to to defend. We needed somebody else in the middle that could make some penetrating pass, that could break a line and do something See. against the Swiss because the Swiss would sit back. If we the the problem was again, he wanted to give minutes to Fred because he thinks against a France. You know, we're winning 1-0. He's going to be an important piece. So he wanted to give minutes for him. He used the second game for that. that See, this is reason. brilliant. You, know, you use the word Fred, right? And it's just a classic because you have got Rivaldo. You've got Ronaldinho. You know, you've got Ronaldo. You know, and you've got Fred. Well, but hold on. <laughs> My remember name he should Fred. never but be Andy, in the Brazilian team. Andy, do you remember who was the midfield in Brazil in 2002? <laughs> Rivaldo? No, the midfield. The Rivaldo no. was playing up top with Ronaldo. Ronaldinho was playing the 10. Who were the guys behind him? The whole point is I don't remember. And you know why I don't remember? Because he wasn't any good, probably. Oh, but they, Exactly. <laughs> but So that's what I'm saying. Like You, you don't have 11 Ronaldos. We wish. But you don't even have one without Neymar. You, you don't even get close <laughs> to having you know, anybody that's as good as those three. And Neymar yeah, sees and the field again. does anybody but else. You're, you're talking about the Brazilian team optimistically, and I'm being realistic. Well, Andy, we're not playing Braz against Brazil of 2002. But you see... We're playing against Germany with uh, you're not, not gonna a see really Germany. good team. You're, you're going to see Spain. Spain. You're going to see Spain. Good, Spain's nothing. good. That special either, like Spain's good, Spain's good. France, but they've got nobody really special. Exactly, no, 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 no. but but Spain's going to be difficult to break down. Spain's going to be difficult to beat. Spain, Spain doesn't have anybody special on the front that's going to score, but they're going to be difficult to beat. And and they've got you know the Gavi, Pedri, they're the young talents, but they're not amazingly deceptive in the dribble. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying is they're going to be difficult to beat. They're going to be difficult to score on. But they're not likely to score a ton of goals against top-notch top later rounds, you know, the quarters and on. Um, but for Brazil, Spain's going to put up a, a pretty good fight. And yeah. it'll be the quarters, um, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure, as I look at the brackets. What I think is... I think, I think that's winnable for Spain if Neymar doesn't If Neymar doesn't play. But that's Neymar should be back by the quarters, I think. Yeah, that's what I, th I think. We If we play Spain, for example, with Neymar, and it's my opinion... Okay, I think it's not a close game. I'm not saying that we're going to blow them out, but I'm saying we will win without much problems. With Neymar playing. Without Ooh. Neymar playing, we got to be a little more organized and we got to, you know. But I still think with the way they play and the way we play, they're not going to sit back and pack in. You they're haven't blown anybody space. out already. Weaker opposition, you haven't blown them out. Well, we're not. We're we're not. You know, you're going to struggle real against teams. Spain. We're playing real teams. We're not playing Iran or Wales. 
It's, 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 it's Iran. Iran. It's Iran. Oh, it's it. Is it? Is it? Iran. Yeah, don't do a Tyler Adams. <laughs> you know, we, we don't need people contacting. <laughs> that us. was a fantastic press conference. Not that it really fits like the what we talk about okay, on this. I'm but Brazilian. the geopolitical piece to that press conference was just off the charts. Fantastic. I, I thought Tyler Adams had the perfect. Oh, uh, it was fantastic. I and yeah. I, I actually tried to put myself in Tyler Adams' shoes. Uh, you know, 39 year old Andrew wouldn't have had half as good of an answer. I can't imagine what 22 or 23 year old Andrew would have said uh but i thought his answer was just perfect and 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 i thought greg berhalter's answer when they asked him uh why the u.s had a you know a, a navy ship uh in you know off the coast of iran why hasn't he asked the u.s government to move it i thought his answer was good there too so um uh, but, i didn't hear that one uh, yeah he, he just got they only played the one question but there were like six questions all related to specifically u.s and iran um foreign policy that they were asking burhalter and tyler as though they would know the answer it, or, or as though as though they are authorities on 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 the topic it was it was a it was a bizarre press conference or they sure. should be talking about the, that the question yeah. is though is you know is greg burhalter even an authority on soccer you know, because, you know, that time when I directly hit him with the question, you know, what should we be doing with our youth? You know, and I've spent my whole life, decades in youth soccer, and he hit me with five versus two. Rondos, yeah, yeah. You know, and and I'm like, that is absolute garbage. I will say You it, don't develop a Ronaldinho in a five versus thank two. Thank God uh, Burhalter did not coach any of these kids when they were kids. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, it's... You know, the, the the kids that, you know, really set the world on fire, you know, and, you know, the uh, the Cam- Cameroonian. The you know, Abubakar. Abubakar. You know, you know, they don't they don't grow up in five versus two. They grow up in one versus three where they've got the ball there, the one beating the three. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the difference is you've got this mindset of we've got to have numbers up. We've got to have numerical advantage. It's a very USA mentality because USA has always been this this, you know, economic power not always but over the last you know you know century it's been an economic power had all the advantages you know and as a result has been a big dog on the world scene you know and been able to influence the world in all sorts of ways you know and you know it's this mentality of somehow we can overpower the opposition you know and this isn't a game where you overpower the opposition mm. this is a game where you you have to be magical you have to finesse you have to be creative you have to do things they don't expect you have to hit them where it hurts without them realizing that it's coming you know which speaking specifically of the US game yesterday it's where i was nervous going into the game because i expected iran to really park the bus and pack it in and i just don't see that us as 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 a soccer playing nation have the ability to to create and break down in tight spaces and that was that was a worry that i had going into the game obviously it ended up playing out okay but but, but i want to switch tracks just a little bit because you know i i've been around Philippe enough to to um to tell this joke so a Frenchman. Here we, here we go. <laughs> a Frenchman, an Argentinian, and a Brazilian were drinking publicly in, in Qatar, Qatar, whatever you want to call it, at the World Cup. But because drinking is prohibited, they were arrested and taken to court. The judge said, being as his country was taken easy on tourists during the World Cup, they would get only twenty lashes of the whip, and they could get one wish before the whipping started. Okay, following. The Frenchman was first. The judge said, ah, France, your country is so rude and narcissistic, but as promised, you will be entitled to a wish. What do you want? Remember, this is a joke, okay? Okay. He replied, (laughs) I want a pillow tied behind my back. And he didn't feel a thing when they whipped him. Then came the Argentinian, and the judge said, ah, Argentina, very rude people, but a promise is a promise. What do you want? And he replied, I want two pillows tied behind my back. And he fell asleep while they were whipping him. You know, finally, the Brazilian and the judge said, ah, Brazil, wonderful land, samba, football, beautiful women, ugly men. You will get two wishes. What do you want? The Brazilian said, I want 200 lashes. The surprised judge said, can I guess that's brave? No, you can't guess. He said, that's brave. And what's the second wish? The Brazilian replied, I want the Argentinian tied on my back. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. 
I knew it because my mind went there right away. <laughs> and you and I have spoken enough that the rivalry between Argentina and Brazil, I mean, the, you know, the, you know, the sporting hatred in fun, I think, you know, is it, just intense. You know, you know, it's, it's like England and Germany without having fought the two world wars. You know, it's it's just intense that rivalry. Yeah. You know, and uh, so I I had to give you that one. No, it's <laughs> it's very true. I would I thought the th same thing right away. <laughs> An unexpected moment of the World Cup. What is something that you didn't expect to see that you saw? So I always expect big upsets. Um, but Argentina, Saudi Arabia, I didn't expect to be the one. I didn't watch that match because it was get kicked off at 4 a.m. and I'd gotten well, up at two 4 a.m. in a row. Argentina had three goals in the first half, but they were all offsides. Were so, they? I mean, they were literally walking in the park. Their game was so easy. They were bored, and you know, but they didn't turn it up. And then in, within seven minutes, Saudi Arabia scored two bangers, and Argentina was like so gobsmacked. Were they counters? It, it, was, it was just absolutely brilliant step-up defense. Yeah. They use the offside rule in a way that it, you know, since they changed the offside rule to favor the attack more, you know, teams have backed off of, of playing offside trap, you know, and I used to play the offside trap back in England. Defense was everything when I was growing up. We weren't creative, you know, and, uh, but I can't imagine playing the offside track with the current rules versus the rules as they were back in the 1970s when I was playing for money. And, and so, you know, it, it's a different beast. These Do you days. think right now it's so much easier because you have VAR, so you don't have to rely but, on the referee. But it's, Andy, it, if you do it right and you train it right, it's gonna work every time because the referee won't make but, the mistake. But Andy, do you think had your coach been dressed similarly and been nearly as good looking as a Saudi Arabian coach, do you think the offside trap would have worked better for you in the seventies, more similar to how it worked for the Saudi Arabians? <laughs> Are you, are you, like, insulting my coach? I mean, Morris Kyle, you know, God rest his soul. I don't know Morris rest at all, but peace. I can tell you that the Saudi Arabian coach uh, belongs on the front of GQ magazine. I, I have to laugh. What's the name of the, uh, the Senegalese coach? You know, because he is a rock star, man. He's not Senegalese, is he? Uh, it's Ghana, isn't it? Or it's Cameroon? I'm not sure. I made a note of him somewhere here, yeah. but... But, you know, I just, I, I love his... He's a rock energy. star second to the Saudi Arabian coach, if we're being honest. He's, he's like a soccer Bob Marley. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just, <laughs> just absolutely it? a character, you know, just... Cameroon's coach. Uh, Rigo Burr. Yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Cameroon's coach. Yeah. I'm having trouble with Cameroon, aren't I? You, know, you really I are struggling. You know, I'll be... I, I, uh, I'll be introducing South Africa into the equation. And I'm curious in the next game, I think it's tomorrow when he Brazil plays Cameroon, if they struggle British with colonies. them as well. It's just British colonies only. There's none of those in he's, Africa. His whole conquer spirit is flooring <laughs> the World Cup. <laughs> Listen, at one point in time, I think it was 179 countries that Britain had dominion over. You know, that, that so... You know, let's let's be honest. It is and the you greatest still only one, one World in Cup. world history. And it's it's, you know... It, it's the only thing that... And you, know, you still have a losing record against the U.S. in World Cup. <laughs> That's correct. Hey, we've at least won a World Cup with the <laughs> wingless wonders with, without anybody that was particularly skillful back in 1966 thanks to a Russian referee. The referee was very skillful. <laughs> Thank goodness there was no VAR then. <laughs> um, well... As you look forward to things that you're hoping to see in 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 actually no, let's stick with some of the things that we've seen, Andy, because we've we in our chat we've had some really great conversation specifically about some of the moments that we've seen. Um, Messi, let's talk Messi. Um, he's mentioned once only no, so no, no. far. Before we get into Messi, hold that thought because you know you've just been abusing me and abusing my country and you know and you know and so I'm, I'm going to tell a little. You got joke. outplayed by the Americans. But nobody yeah. cares about England. What do you call an American holding the World Cup? An engraver. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say. So, uh, so don't a, a don't female? knock England. <laughs> you know, and, but but here's another one that I had to laugh at. You know, so I'm going to slam England myself. What do you call an Englishman in a World Cup final? Ref. <laughs> <laughs> now this is a true story 
Back in 1966, that's how old I am, I bought a ticket to the World Cup final. In the pub that night, I realized the final was a direct conflict with my wedding. So I asked the crowd in the bar if anybody wanted to take my place. I had lots of volunteers, so I picked a good-looking fella, told him where the church was, and showed him a photo of Diana. <laughs> can, can, we, can we go to uh, Messi now? I, I didn't know if you had any more church. Oh, one more church before I share. Yeah, yeah. In a lovely gesture, read it into the mic. Everybody's going to complain. Oh, in the, sorry. In, the in a lovely gesture, the Brazilian players visited a Qatari orphanage for really young kids yesterday. In a post-visit interview, Tariq, age six, said it was heartbreaking to see their little faces with no hope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Messi, three see, goals. That's what happens when you don't have Neymar. <laughs> This is what happens when you sit around all day watching soccer games and Googling World Cup jokes. Um, uh, Don't knock my life. (laughs) It sounds thrilling. I wish. (laughs) All right, Messi. Argentina. They've scored three goals, right? And Messi has been literally a piece of all of them. Andy, what have you thought of his play so far? And what are you, you know, what are you hoping to see from him as as the cup continues? Because this is almost certainly his last. I hope to see him on a plane. I, I think there we, we could be looking at an Argentina-Brazil semifinal if Argentina is able to get by the United States in the quarters. I, I, I see I Messi on a plane. I see Messi on a plane flying back to Argentina with the Jules Rimet trophy <laughs> in his Above hands. his head. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Argentina's see, not going to win it. I see Lewandowski having the game of his life. The, oh, the uh, Polish. And, uh, and Saudi Arabia beating Mexico. Why not? And, and Argentina, Argentina not going through. Boom. I don't think so. Lewandowski's only scored one World Cup goal ever. Yeah, Time for two World more. <laughs> I think he's a genius striker. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's yeah. not Rashalison, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure not. Or a Bubakar. Yeah, Rashalison <laughs> has more goals. than he So has. what do you think? What do you, I mean? Oh, what, over the course of a career? No, not even Cup. close. What? Won't ever be in the World Cup. Yeah. So Messi's goal against Mexico was was brilliant. And uh, Philippe, you've got to give him some credit on that one. Yeah, of course. You give the guy one inch of space, he's gonna. Which the Mexicans did. He, t- he took and he, t- he took the once perfect first touch. They did. They did it once. And, and that's all it took. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And and the finish was was supreme. Yep. So can I can I read this because I, I as long as you read it into the mic. Okay. Is that better? I don't know. Is it better? I'm glad Fleet so can hear the accent. You now. are criticizing. I'm, I'm complimenting. I wish oh, I had yeah, that accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish I had that accent. You're full of brown stuff right now. I mean, you're complimenting. <laughs> <laughs> I, prefer, I prefer the British accent than the American accent. You do? I do. That's okay. what she said. Mm. Um, there are executioners, creators, Producers, facilitators, water carriers, destroyers. The most complete players have a combination of all these factors. But because goals are so hard to score in soccer, the executioners, creators, producers are by far the most important players. That's what Gareth Southgate doesn't appear to understand. Until he picked the lineup yesterday, he did a lot better. Leo Messi is the world's greatest ever executioner, creator, producer, facilitator. He destroys the opposition's hopes and dreams. In doing so, he shows the world that beauty, artistry, class, creativity, joy, determination, bravery, and humility will forever have a greater positive impact than any other alternative method. You've got to say forgive to Pelé. Because you called Messi the greatest ever executioner, so you gotta say of Argentina. Forgive Pelé. It's a different game today, and you know, and I love Pelé, and I was brought up watching Pelé, and and I love Brazil, and I was brought up watching Brazil, you know, and I think that shaped my attitude towards the creative game. I really do. I owe a lot to Pelé. I owe a lot to Brazil. But Pelé wasn't the the game changer, I feel, that Leo Messi has been all through his career. And I think had Leo Messi played in the 1970 Brazilian team, then you know they would have won the, the, the final by six goals you know, in 1970. Pelé didn't need to change the game because we were always winning. 
That's actually a fair point, right? Like uh, we could yeah, we could relate that to Philippe is in his CR seven mode right now. <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, there's absolutely no humility in Philippe when he gets to talk. No, but, but there's I something to be said yeah. if the entire team is at a level that you, that you, you that that the the star player isn't needed as much, um, then the star player isn't going to sharpen its skills um, and be able to carry the team in the same way, right? Like it, it makes sense. Um, it's the whole Kyle Hoke thing, junior year uh, when it was college scholarship uh, search in time. He went and found a team where he was by far and away the best player on the team, and 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 it and it and it worked for him. Yeah, and um, you know we've that team was our biggest rival that yeah. he joined. Yeah. You know, and last what night I was traitor. chatting with our coach, you know, Paul Link, who played for, who that, played team, for that team, yeah. and he played for that team his whole youth career, and they didn't ever try to learn even one tiny little move with that team and that coach. And Link was an incredible athlete. You know, he scored that one goal to win State Cup against us. Yeah, from inside the center circle. It was from, you know, downtown Charlie Four, Brown. It was, it, was, yeah. it was just a long, long way out. And it was an absolute rocket, you know, but he didn't have any moves. He couldn't have beaten players in the one-on-one. He was fast, but with deception, you know, it was non-existent, his ability to beat players in the one-on-one with deception. With speed, yeah. You know, and, and so that's the difference is... is overall philosophy of the game and we got to we got to take this back to to you know what are we doing with youth players you know and leo messi is an incredible example of what a youth player should be when he was younger he used a lot more, lots more moves he used to take on three four five players at a time score unbelievable goals just a fantastic example of what somebody should be as a youth player you know and as he's gotten older and he's not quite as quick you know he's he's playing to his strengths now you know which is his finishing ability his vision you know and he's adapted his game completely the 17 year old messi that broke into barcelona and took the world by storm is no longer because he's getting older yeah, it's the same for ronaldo as well absolutely right? yeah. absolutely but messi has retained um uh, has morphed into a genius in a different way you know, he pops up, takes a simple touch, and it's an absolute genius shot, you know, to start the ball rolling for Argentina in terms of, you know, winning the second game, get, you know, coming back from the first game. You know, and, and you know, in, th- in two games, he's had, uh, you know, a, an assist, two assists and a goal. You know, and, you know, he's been the guy that makes the difference from Argentina. You know, he's the go-to guy. He's there. And his assist, you know, was, was a simple little pass, but I've lo- watched it and watched it and watched it. And even though it was a simple 10-yard pass, it was absolutely slide rule perfect. You know? But let's talk about what Fernandez did. I wanted to talk about this because here you've got a talented young man. And you know, we've got a maestro series, Dribbling Moves, you know, where we talk about the pre-fake, right? You, know, you and I filmed that series. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, we go Return over and Bruno, over. Bruno? No, Fernandez. Which Fernandez are we talking about? For Argentina. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're, we're talking about uh, um, uh, the guy that scored the second goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and Messi passed him that slide rule pass, ah, okay. and he went at the defender, and just like we advocate in our double scissors, he did a garbage first scissors. You know, and the defender did exactly what we say will happen, which is he didn't fall for it, but the defender was now primed for the, the fake that came afterwards. And, you know, it, with all due respect to Mr. Fernandez, um, it wasn't a good fake. You know, he did like a, a, a messed up half Matthews, you know, and the defender lost his mind mm-hmm. because he'd been primed with a terrible scissors for the terrible half Matthews. So the defender forgot all about showing the opposition to their weak foot and to the outside and he allowed, he literally went out of, out of the stadium for a cup of coffee, you know, to the outside and allowed Fernandez to bend the ball into the far corner. And that's the beauty about a prefake. The prefake, the prefake, the prefake, if done correctly, the actual fake doesn't have to be that good. Exactly. But if the actual fake is brilliant, then it's even better. That's even better. Yeah. I mean, you know, he could have literally, you know, uh, had the defender leave the country with, with, a, with a great with, with second a, fake. With a good pre-fake, your margin for error grows immensely. 
um, with your second fig. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And, and that goal as he bent it uh, as he bent it into that far corner was 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 fantastic. And if I remember right, I think you texted us almost as soon as the ball hit the back of the net. Like, did yeah. you guys see that pre fig? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, I've been glued to you know, the the TV. It was actually quite funny because the other day, you know, um, we we had an event at the uh, you know the Comets game here in town, the indoor you know MISL version of the game, you know, and you know it was Legends Night at the Comets, and and uh, I got there you know later than I would have liked. I would have liked to have been there for the first game our guys were playing on the field, and I got there later than I would liked uh, would have liked, and. Um, and I got there as soon as I could after watching the World Cup games, you know, because I wanted to prepare for this podcast and I wanted all the ammunition in my arsenal. And, you know, uh, my right, long term right hand man, you know, we've been partners here in the Legends Club for decades. Pat Osborne said, why weren't you here at the start of the kids games? You know, and I was, you know, I didn't I didn't answer Pat at the time, but I was studying you know, I was studying the World Cup and, you know, and, and, you know, deeply. So if I sacrifice some time in soccer, I sacrifice it for soccer. It's a bone of contention with my wife, but. <laughs> but uh, she knew what she was going to do. Yeah. <laughs> so where do we go now? What's the next thing on the agenda? Well, I mean, what, 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 what about Casimiro spending some time in the box soccer? What a finish. Oh, fantastic finish, what a wasn't finish. it? And you know, I'm I'm a fan of Casemiro as a defensive midfielder, but boy, did he hit the perfect volley! And 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 you say box soccer specifically because it wasn't a traditional. His body shape wasn't one in Leaning which you're like. To the left. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It, it was improvisation. It was the way the ball was coming. He adjusted his body quickly and hit it. It was intuitive. Well, hold exactly. on a second. Let's talk about what you just said. You know, how did you say Im- improvisational? Improvisational. I don't know. Don't That's remember. how we say it. You said it right. Yeah. English you know, invented well, it. The no, Americans it's the accent. It. You know, that's why Philippe, you know, was, was an absolute super hit with the women before he got married, you know, because of that accent, you know, and that, you know, I mean, I'm not even going to try and say that word, but, you know, that, you know, that word <laughs> like said in a Brazilian accent, <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, just had to be a magnet for, you know, for for chicks Ooh, that's the that's the late night podcast that we we've, we're, we're uh, recording later um but yes the way he was leaned away from it and and in the intuitive thought to have a go it, i mean you know when the ball was played to i can't remember whoever played it to him but when that ball R- moved to rodrigo. when that ball moved to rodrigo right and casemiro kind of opened up his body to receive the pass he wasn't planning to shoot until the ball laid up and it, it just instinctually um, had a go at goal. And just that's what box soccer creates. It creates these these awkward body angles where we're moving our body to get the ball on the front frame. To be honest, Richarlson's two goals were both goals that are the types of goals that the box soccer courts that our kids train in create because it's it's not traditional ball lays up right perfectly for you you've got to contort your body and 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 adjust your body to be able to get your foot through it and put it on frame and here's a fact that most people don't know is that 60 percent of all goals are scored from dropping or bouncing balls you know and box soccer is almost a perfect ratio of 60 40 yeah dropping and bouncing balls versus rolling balls yeah you know so you know it's 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 puts you under incredible pressure you have to do things with your body that you'd never normally do in a traditional shooting practice you have to pretzel your body to get a piece of the foot on the ball you know to volley that ball in a split second into the corner of the box and and in in the box soccer courts our kids don't get the luxury of taking a preparation touch meaning everything first time and if everything's first time it creates a scenario where the kids have to develop an ability to intuitively pretzel their body to put it on frame it, it is human pinball yes it, you know the th- you know it's like when you you know you got that heavy pinball and it's the middle of the of the the buffer and explodes back across you know the table you know that's what bot soccer is all the time you know, and if you are not absolutely totally on your toes, if your mind isn't on its toes, then, you know, you fail miserably at box soccer because you've got to read the play. Yeah, and, you know, I call it the best fox in the box training that I've ever done because it forces players to read the play, react quickly, anticipate, you know, and, and you know, just and be accurate with your shot. You've got to hit the corner of the front wall. 
so that it hits the side wall, otherwise you lose the point. So everything has to be accurate. Everything, you know, it's, it's dropping, it's bouncing. You know, there's another player in the tight circumstances that you run into if you're not careful. You know, everything about soccer, it, it's kind of the modern day physical video game. You know, and, you know, what's that club in, you know, is it, is it Stuttgart or, you know, is it BVB, is it Dortmund, you know, that uses a, a lights thing and they pass the ball Dortmund. to panels? Dortmund. You know, and the thing is so pedestrian compared to boss soccer. It's so slow. You know, the recognition factor is so slow and it's not real. It's not live like box soccer is, you know, and box soccer is more intense than just about any penalty area situation I've seen in my life. And relatively cheap to install, guarantees massive repetition. It's just incredible. Can, can we switch track? We don't have much time left in the pod, right? No. You know, so can we switch tracks? Because, you know, um, you know, people think about me as just being this wildly creative guy that doesn't dot my I's and cross my T's in the game. That's weird. I just think of you as like a really old guy that kind of wanders through life um, in, a, in, a, in a meandering sort of way. I do have the ability to fire you. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to be, be clear. I don't think everybody sees you that way, but maybe most do. I just wanted to put my, forth my perspective. This will be my last podcast. And then I will submit <laughs> my letter of resignation in the mail. Um, so... Uh, but, you know, I, I'm actually fairly big in certain places on, on, you know, set pieces, you know, and not just throwing it into the middle and hoping it works out. Um, and let's bring up the outswinging corner kick versus the inswinging corner kick. Yeah. Because there's so many of these, these coaches at the international level are absolute idiots when it comes to corner kicks. Because the inswinging corner kick is frighteningly effective compared to the outswinger. You know, and we're seeing it again and again and again. When you get a little touch on the outswinger, it's got downward spin on it. So the touch will more often than not stay lower, mm-hmm. you know, if it's an inswinger versus an outswinger. The outswinger goes further and further away from goal the longer it travels. You know, it's just the nature of an outswinger. So you're going to put the ball in there and, and, you know, it slows down. It goes further away from goal, you know, and so you've got to go against the grain to get it on target, you know. And the outswinger will never score without a touch from, an, from, a, from a teammate or, or, of course, an unfortunate own goal. But there has to be a touch on the outswinger and it happens almost never, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the defender gets a touch on an outswinger that goes in their own net. It actually happens quite regularly. Defenders get a touch on an inswinger at the last minute. There, you know, there'll be a couple of touches as that ball swings in and the ball can end up in the back of the net. And if you organize the inswing of corner kick like we do in the Legends Club, you know you can cut the odds of, of getting nothing out of it by a massive amount. A planned inswinger is absolutely devastating. And as yet, nobody in the world scene has, has gotten that fact, it seems like, or very few people have. Now, some of the more experienced coaches, you can see that they, they've learned this. So there's a few teams in the World Cup that religiously use the inswinger that have very experienced coaches that have studied this. I swear Gareth Southgate has never read a book about corner kicks. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, England are hitting outswingers time and time again and this is crass idiocy well don't get me started on the the lars the set piece coach for the u.s men's national team because our set pieces have been trash yeah pulisic has been a nightmare of a set set piece delivery did you see neymar hitting the crossbar off of a corner kick in the first game i'm I'm, I'm done talking about neymar yeah. You know, I'm done talking about Brazilians because you think br- everything Brazilians do is absolutely incredible. You think Richarlison is a good player. So why would I even talk to you anymore? <laughs> I, I used to have respect for he's you. A, he's an effective player. <laughs> he's an effective player. He's an effective player. It's impossible to make an argument against that. Oh, it, uh, but he's only effective when it's a relatively weak opponent. I, I looked at his stats, you know, and he just doesn't get it done against really, really good opponents. Every, you know, he, he's Everybody's weaker compared to us. France, I think France, I think France wins it this year. Uh, Mbappe is—he's got the speed, he's got the skill, he, he's deceptive in many different ways. I think Mbappe is this young world superstar that could dominate for years. And I think here's something that is just brilliant that people miss is he's now committed to PSG long-term. I did not know that he just committed to he, PSG yeah, long-term. So what's happened now is he's, he's within his... his um, 
family cocoon. He's not going to go off the rails like Neymar did when he went to to Spain. You know, uh, you know, it, it's 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 not going to happen in the way that it happened for Neymar because he's home. He's in Paris. He's where he grew up. He's got all this support structure around him. And I think we can look forward to seeing Mbappe at the top for at least another decade. I think Brazil can beat them. I think maybe Brazil's the only team that can beat them, but it's going to have to be a full-strength Brazil that, that, that is firing all, all cylinders. And I think it'll be the underdog in the match, and I bet Philippe is surprised to hear that. And I think Mbappe will make the difference, especially if Neymar doesn't get back to fitness. His his ability to play both skillfully with an obscene amount of athleticism um, is, is something special. Like You don't see players that have both of those um, strengths. And where did he grow up? Where did he grow up playing the game? Suburbs of Paris, right? Like the, on the small the fields, concrete jungles. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. you know, the you know, watch the Netflix special, Concrete City. Yeah, you know, and you can see where he grew up, and Riyad Mahrez, and you know, and, and all these great players, Pogba that came out of you know that won the last World Cup, that came out of Paris, and you know, all these these guys that played for other national teams, you know, in the World Cup, you know, in, in the last World Cup, you know, and there's there's France this time around. I think it was thirty four or thirty seven players playing for teams that are in, you know, Qatar, Qatar, uh, and, you know, it's just an incredible number of players. And where did they grow up? They didn't grow up in rural France. They didn't grow up in the Loire Valley, you know, just underneath the castle. They grew up in the, in the working-class suburbs of Paris, playing small-sided games where there was street cred in, in front of everybody in the neighborhood on these tiny fields where they had to do incredible things, you know, with the ball in tight spaces. Yep. You know, and, and so, you know, wh- what are we missing here in the USA? We're playing on these, these barren deserts, these huge fields yep. where everybody's got 30 square yards of space, you know, and, you know, we're not going to develop an Mbappe. Or Abubakar's goal doesn't come from training it doesn't. Uh, 30 yards of it's space. It's playground stuff. Yeah, it's playground stuff. Yeah, you know, it's, it's small-sided stuff. It's street soccer stuff. It's playground stuff. You know, it's small field stuff. You know, and if we don't wise up... We're not closing the rest of the gap. We're not going to ever win a World Cup as USA or England. Now, England does have the advantage. There's lots of small fields, five-a-side fields all over the country now. So there's some young players that are growing up in that environment. you know. And even on the women's national team, what's the blonde forward that pulled off her, her jersey? You know, Chloe Kelly. You know, she grew up playing street soccer with her brothers, comes from a big family. And you can see it in the way she plays. She's just got an extra level of creativity. So England wins the Euros. So something applicable to American families. I, that's our largest listenership is, is, is American coaches and, 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 and soccer parents. Um, have you seen the, uh, the clip the U.S. men's national team put out about Brendan Aronson's uh, upbringing? Brendan Aronson being the you know the young young star for Leeds uh, had a great step overturn yesterday in the game. Um, they put, it's like a three. They did it on every player uh, in the United in the U.S. men's national team. It's like a three minute like you know kind of deep dive on where they grew up. And Brendan the whole the whole three minutes is about him and his brother playing one v one in their basement. And there's actually clips of the basement, um, concrete walls all around, and this really 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 tight space. And they talk about how they just went to war in terms of playing 1v1 in that space and then they show a clip of of um, um, uh, of, of a sign that he'd had on the wall you know in terms of working on his space and his and how he turned and I listened to a, an episode where Brendan talked about kind of the leap forward for him from a, in, in the professional game was during COVID um, during quarantine when none of the teams were training he went back home and he got back in the basement um, and started working on the technical pieces of his game up against that wall. And it was a really fascinating listen. Um, I've shared it with the parents that, that, that I coach because many of them are, have talked about trying to create a basement-type atmosphere in their house, reminiscent of our box soccer courts. But I think it's, a one, it's fun to see that from an American perspective. Two, we've talked about this numerous times. If you don't have a club that has in your community that, 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 that has a facility like ours or is, is making an invested um, effort in, in creating the environment that um, mimics the street soccer game, uh, then our American players aren't going to be able to develop those skills. 
unless you do something like what Brendan's family did um, in, in your own basement. And so it's something tangible, I think, that um, families here in the United States can can learn from and apply. And so if you just literally go to Twitter, search U.S. Men's National Team, Brendan Aronson um, video, um, you'll find this video that I'm, I'm referring to. I'll go retweet it on our um, account as well. I love hearing that. And it's more of the same, though. I've researched the, the background of hundreds of the world's greatest yeah. ever players and the walls are everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. You know, every single great player grew up banging balls against every single one. There is not an exception. If you go to Richarlison's hometown and I've done the street view, you know, and I've gone through that whole city, it's a city of walls. You know, and it's only 50,000 people. You know, it, it's it's almost desert-like, you know, the, the surrounding area. Very dry, very arid, you know, and but there's walls everywhere, you know. And, and you can see why he's a good striker of the ball because, you know, he must have had the choice of 100 walls yep. to practice against. Yep. You know, absolutely guaranteed that you're going to be a, a good finisher if you just get, you know, surround yourself with walls and the ball doesn't get away and you hit thousands of shots. Yep. It's a yep. guarantee. Yep. As long as you stay intense, you know, and, you know, that's what box soccer does here. It's incredibly fast, incredibly intense. And what's it we've got, you know, in the city now, we've got like 80, 90 box soccer courts between our three facilities. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Okay. So as we wrap up, we're going to record again in a week. Um, let's talk predictions, right? Between now and our next recording, uh, the first round of, or the round of 16 will have happened and the last few group games will have happened. What are we going to see? Any, any, any teams you're specifically excited to see how they advance on? Any players that you're looking forward to? How do you think it works out? Is the U.S. going to beat Netherlands? That's the question I have for you as we wrap up this episode. I hope so. Um, I think Brazil is going to still be in the World Cup. I think France is still going to be in the World Cup. I think Spain is still going to be in the World Cup. I think England is still going to be in the World Cup. I actually think Brazil and England will make the final. Ooh. Oh, boy, would that be a, a, a fun uh, episode that we talk about here. We have two Brazilian fans sat next to me because, you know, Andy will be rooting for Brazil in that game. Well, his, and that it, would be the easiest final ever. Not Brazil. necessarily. You know, it's, it's you know, I, I love Brazil. I've always loved Brazil. But this Brazil without Neymar is not Brazil. You know, and so... You know, I know you've had a lot of optimism going into this, this championship and, you know, you'd watched Brazil a lot more than I had leading up to this championship. I've watched every minute of their game so far. And I hate to say this, but, you know, Neymar is the only player that looks traditionally Brazilian for me. You know, and Anthony hasn't had enough minutes. He's young, he's raw. He's not really done anything magical on the world scene yet. You know, and so he looks to have the potential to be a really good you know, or maybe even a great Brazilian player, but they don't have that depth of skill and deception, you know, a goal-scoring ability that, that, you know, the great teams have had. Not even close, you know. And, and maybe it will never come back because of the way that society worldwide is moving. I agree. I think that's that's the key. I think the, the, the game has changed a lot. And, you know, for worse, in a sense, it's a little less creative than it used to be. You know, I... I saw an interview from Romario like just recent this week and he's saying like I he he's talking about himself he's saying I wouldn't get by with certain things that I did in my time because nowadays the fitness part the athleticism is just in, for the incredible yeah. yeah and he's saying like and I w he was like I was very athletic I was super quick I was very explosive but like you know, I didn't rest as much. I didn't drink, but like I didn't really sleep because I was going out all the time. You know, I wouldn't be able to do that today because nowadays the, these guys are flying. So I think, you know, the game is tougher now. And, you know, the some players are more just creative, creative, creative. You know, they, they're having to learn other things, you know, and the game is faster. And, you know, I think that's part of the transition of the game I don't think we're ever going to see teams as skillful and as creative as the Brazils of the 70s the the you know the great teams that we've seen yeah. but you know you still have the exceptions like Neymar like Mbappe like Messi and I, I think so this on. is going to be won by one of the big guns traditional big guns you know but I really do feel that there's about eight teams that can win it the traditional I think even Germany can come back with with a good result in the last game you know, and, you know, they were quite unlucky so far, 
you know, and they're very disciplined, they're very athletic, and, and they're very organized, and, you know, they're not tremendously creative, never have been, but but I think they can come back and win it. You know, so you've got Germany, you've got Spain, you've got France, you've got England, you've got Argentina, you've got Brazil, you know, the traditional big guns, the ones that have always been there or thereabouts, I think any one of those guys is going to be the winner eventually. I think Portugal I th can get will go to the semis with... They don't quite England. have it for me. Uh, I think they're, they're they're kind of just they're seventh or eighth behind the the six I just mentioned. I think France is is the class of of the group, and if we played this tournament a few times, I think France would win it more than anybody else. I think Germany or uh, Brazil is right behind them, um, and I think everybody else is a few steps behind them. With that said, it's soccer. You know, anybody and at that level can I win really, on any day. I really don't think France without Benzema and Pogba is that special. You don't have enough love for Olivier Giroud. <laughs> but see, here's and the I thing: they've got they've got the world's best player right now. Yes, but their mid their midfielders are average at best. Yeah, but just like you know, you can say that about you know Brazil's midfielders. You yeah. can say that about Germany's midfielders. I think, or I think no, you can't say that about Spain's midfielders. You know the the, the Gavi Pedri yeah. combination, but they're young, they're inexperienced. So when Neymar they is don't playing, have the grey hair yet. When Neymar is playing, our midfielder is Casemiro. Neymar as the ten, Casemiro as the six, and you know Paqueta, Bruno Guimarães, one of the two, or Fred as the eight. But you've got Casemiro and, ne and, and Neymar in the three of the midfield positions. I but think that's fantastic. Without Neymar, though, you've taken your ace out of your pack. Yeah. Your aces are gone, you know, so... Again, if he plays, it's easy. If he doesn't play, it's possible, but it'll be tough. It's, it's really interesting that Neymar has taken the game really seriously over the last year. You know, if you go back 18 months, you know, to where he was in his personal life and how he wasn't producing the goods at PSG, you know, he's really shaped up and, you know, he's really a massive influence on the game at this point in time. So it's a huge loss for the Brazilian national team. It's very similar to Marcus Rashford. Rashford, you know, was a bit distracted. You know, he was working a lot in charity and stuff. And, and over the last year, he's knuckled down and he's really focused on his game, you know. And he had a great game yesterday, creative game. You know, I, I kind of feel that he's finally realizing his potential. He's a you good know? player. And Southgate is actually playing his creative players for the first time ever. They got starts, you know. And yeah, we'll see how that plays out. I'm eager to see how that plays out. Yeah, if, I want to see if he does it when he he's does up it, against yeah. somebody that's really, I agree. you know, really a big gun. Yeah, I agree. You know, so let's see if he's got the guts to do it in the biggest games of all. That's Very it. good. Guys, great, uh, great episode, great cup. We have 19 days left to enjoy the best, um, the best event that this world has ever known, which is the uh, World Cup. We'll see you guys next week. See Thank you. you.